Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Former big league pitcher Steve Sparks, who joins us from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Arlington is where the ballpark is located as the Astros grab this third game and never did have a lead in the first two games in their own park, Steve. But here they are. They're able to cut into that Rangers lead. So what was the biggest difference in the Astros winning game three? You know what, Amy? I, I think it's just the, the reliance on the home run, I think, is for Astros at the beginning of the postseason. Same thing against the Twins and Coming into tonight's game, uh, I think 80% of their runs had scored via the home run. So to be able to get some hits with runners in scoring position, I think they had five of them tonight. With their ninth-place hitter, Martin Maldonado, who in the second inning with two outs got that big two-run single. I think that got everybody you know, off their seats in the dugout and uh, kind of fired up and, <laughs> and kind, of, kind of going, I thought. You were a pitcher in the big leagues that Max Scherzer gets the start in game number three. Hadn't pitched in quite a while. How long does it take for a pitcher to settle back in where he can feel comfortable? You know what? Sometimes it doesn't take long at all when, when you look at his stuff. And we saw it right away in the first inning. We saw the lively hop on his fastball, the sharp break on everything else. And it was kind of weird because when he came back out for the second inning, which is kind of typical of somebody who hasn't pitched in 36 days, is on an 0-2 pitch, he hit Alvarez, the fastball went behind his front leg and hit his back foot. So that's how far he missed his target. And I say that because you don't really lose arm speed or anything like that if you're coming back after a big layoff. It's more command and being able to spot your pitches where you need to in a big game like this. And on the other side, Christian Javier, he's exactly what the Astros needed. What did you see from him on the mound? Well, first of all, I've got to give a lot of to the Astros pitching coaches. I'll be honest with you, the second half of the season, he was he was bad. You know, he, he didn't pitch well at all. They just worked and worked and worked. They said we're close. It's going, man, late in the season to, to be able to see a big change in somebody happen very often because your body's so sore and you're, you're tired. Javier pitched in the WBC. He had to ramp it up early. Mm. Uh, not very much recovery time from last postseason. I just didn't think he was going to get there, but stuck with it and I can't believe it's the last four outings he's looked like himself again a pitcher who last year gave up an opponent's batting average of 170 and he's getting the swing and miss again it's the fastball is back to where it was and he, he just wasn't locating he wasn't getting any swing and miss like two and a half months 
But for, for whatever reason, I, I, I don't know, magic beans they got in their back pockets, but the pitching <laughs> coaches did wonders getting him back to what we saw last postseason. Does it surprise you at all that the first three games have been won by the road team? No. I mean, the Astros had a similar occurrence in 2019 World Series where every game of a seven-game series uh, was won by the visiting team. I, I don't know uh, what it really means about this Astros team in particular. People ask us. We ask them. And I talked to Dusty Baker about it. Nobody has a really good explanation <laughs> for why the Astros haven't played very well at home this year. Sometimes you run out of explanations and things just go on. You just got to figure out something else. Steve Sparks is part of the radio team for the Houston Astros. Enjoy listening to him and Robert Ford on a nightly basis. And he's with us from Arlington, the Dallas area. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. It's hard to tell on TV, so I'm interested to hear your perspective. How many Astros fans made the trip to Arlington? You know, Amy, to be honest with you, I was a little surprised by this. It's a great question. Typically during the regular season, especially the last two or three years, uh, the Astros fans have come up driving in, in droves, and there's been a lot. I would say maybe a quarter uh, of the stands are filled with Astros fans, maybe even a little bit more. But tonight it wasn't as many, uh, so many excited Rangers fans, and I'm sure there's less tickets available for Astros <laughs> to come up here and, and cause a little havoc. So uh, we were watching for that, and, and they tried to make a little bit of noise on a couple of occasions, but more than anything else, I think it was Javier who – quiet uh, the Rangers fans to a degree and, and we know that's, that's a pretty good recipe for, for success when you're on the road and what about at Minute Maid Park how many Rangers fans managed to get in there they got in there you know the Astros fans have been doing this for, for a while they've been very spoiled uh, for the last seven years of so uh, Altuve tomorrow is playing in his 100th postseason game believe it or not wow so, uh, the Astros fans they let some of them in there, you know, and they tried to make some noise, and they were pretty happy those two games at Minute Maid Park. And uh, when your team's winning on the road, uh, you can hear them. You know, you can hear those people when you're trying to get it going on a couple of occasions, when you feel like you're about to erupt, that somebody could get a big hit. It just didn't happen, happen for them in, in game ones and, and two. Jose Altuve, as you point out, has an incredible legacy with the Houston Astros going back to when he was a high draft pick and one of the building blocks of a team that has now gone to seven consecutive American League Championship Series. What he's been able to do over that time, really maintaining such a high level of play and setting the tone. How would you even begin to summarize or describe his contributions to this team in this time? He's, he's the most popular player on the team uh he's a great leader and he's selfless so the guys really respect him you know and, you know to be a, a superstar uh and to treat everybody like you know everybody the same and uh he's, he's the best on the team in the community uh doesn't ask for any attention for everything he does so it, all those things kind of add up but I'll, I'll say this amy i've never seen a player turn turn his career into a different type of player. And I, I want to say that like the first five or six years, uh, he won three batting titles, uh, got a lot of hits, stole a lot of bases. And then he kind of flipped the script and, and he started to realize, you know what, I'm, I've got the ability and I might be able to help the team a little more. And he started to set his goals to get a 900 OPS. So he had to get on base more. He had to walk more, but he also had to slug a little bit more. So he started to act 
add, you know, the, the home run component into what he's able to do into, you know, once Springer left the team and, and signed with the Blue Jays as a free agent, you know, Altuve at the top of the order was kind of like Springer. It was somebody at the top who could really uh, put a little fear into the starting pitcher, wouldn't let him ease into a game like that prototypical slap hitter at the top. Uh, he had the ability to, to take you deep at the very first pitch. So it's a very uneasy feeling as a pitcher. As you're <laughs> trying to tiptoe sometimes into a game and see what you have, knowing that you could make a mistake on the very first pitch and get hurt and fall behind quickly. What does it mean to have Justin Verlander back with this team again? Uh, it means a lot. You know, it, it lets everybody else kind of fall back into the line. And uh, he's pitched more game one uh, starts than anybody else in postseason history. So he can take that mantle and, and kind of run with that and set the tone. And he takes pride in it. Uh, he sets a very high standard. You know, he expects people uh, to be on high alert. He's one of those guys too, Amy, and I've seen this. And when I see our monitors in our radio booth, he's always in the dugout, you know, and and I'll say this, I I had a lot of teammates who were starting pitchers and on their days that they weren't pitching half the time they were in the clubhouse Mm -hmm. grabbing something to eat or watching something else on TV, a football game or something (laughs) else. He's in the dugout. He's talking baseball with the other pitchers on the team or even a position player, but uh, he sets a great example in that way. Steve Sparks is with us from, where are you guys? Where do you stay, actually? <laughs> Dallas? You know what? Fort Worth? Yeah, we, we stay in Dallas. You oh. know, we, we stay in downtown. We get spread out a little bit. There, there's so many more people that travel uh, during the playoff situation. So typically <laughs> we're with the team all year, but uh, they have so much family and so much front office. Uh, we get spread out a little bit mm. yeah, to a couple of different hotels. All right. So from Dallas after game three of the ALCS at the ballpark at Arlington there. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. The Astros, they end up catching the Rangers on the final day of the regular season. They win the division title in a tie break. And it was a good battle going back over the last month, even six weeks or so. But there was a time when the Rangers had a pretty sizable lead in the division. And even the Mariners were in the mix for the division title. What was the turning point for the Astros' dedication to, to grabbing that title, too? You know what? There wasn't a turning point, Amy. I mean, it was a grind. They won five of their last six on the road. But in that last stretch, the last month of the season, uh, they got swept by the Oakland A's. They got swept by the Kansas City Royals. They lost a ton of baseball games to teams that uh, they should have beaten, to be quite frank. So uh, it was not very uh, dissimilar to what the Yankees did. The last team that won back-to-back titles was the 98-99 in 2000 New York Yankees and that 2000 Yankees team lost 15 of their last 18 games. They lost to Baltimore who was last in the division. They lost to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, They got swept by them. They were last in their division. Very similar circumstances to what the Astros did. They limped in. They got pretty lucky to to get into the playoffs. To be honest with you, Uh, Seattle, uh, Texas Rangers, nor the Astros played very well the last month of the season. But they got in, you know, it's a long season. They won 90 games, the same number as Texas, and they had the tiebreaker. So they got the bye, and they needed it. They were beat up. Uh, and to kind of look at things, it, like they, it looked like they only had a, a couple of really decent starters at that time. And they felt like if they had to waste those in the wild card round, uh, they were really going to be compromised to the division series. So they felt like they got pretty lucky in that regard. Mm. By the way, 
we really enjoyed playing a snippet of your conversation with Dusty Baker after they beat the Twins, where he's trying to spit out that stat, and you guys are either in the middle of the celebration or on the field. I couldn't tell which, but he butchers the stat, and you're like, you couldn't have got that more wrong. And he said, you sound like my mother. Oh, yeah, we enjoyed playing that back. That's funny. You know, you know what's funny about that is that stayed with him. I kind of forgot about it, but that stayed with him. And he brought me the article the next day uh, to show me what he was trying to say. He was still in that conversation. He said, bring that back to me later. So I, some article that Buster only wrote that he butchered for about five minutes trying to explain it. So good. Uh, obviously, he's been part of their staying power. But correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. There are, what, four guys now that still remain from 2017. How is that even possible to essentially turn over almost your entire roster, not to mention your front office and your manager and your coaching staff, and still mm-hmm. go to seven consecutive American League Championship Series? You know, I, I can almost sum it up in one thing. When people ask why this team's been able to sustain the success that they have, there was one thing in particular that was very helpful and brought on by a guy by the name of Oz Ocampo. And he was the Astros international scout. And he felt like that some teams might have been missing on some guys. You know, they sign all these Latin guys when they're 16 years old. And he thought, you know, there's got to be some guys slipping through the cracks. Let's, let's just take a shot on some guys. And they started to sign guys that were 19, 20, 21 years old, which were ancient, right? You think, why would, <laughs> why would you do that? You know, so they did it. And I'll be darned, you know, if some of these guys start to filter through. And some of the names are Framber Valdez signed when he was 20 years old. Wow. Kristen Javier was 20 years old when he signed. Jose Urquidy was 20 years old. Uh, Luis Garcia, who was second place in the Rookie of the Year a few years ago, he just had Tommy John surgery, but he was part of that mix. Brian Abreu, who you could argue is one of the best relief pitchers in baseball, uh, was in that mix. And another guy who's on their playoff roster, Ronel Blanco, was working at a car wash when he was 22 years old and signed with the Astros. And he's in the big leagues now as a 30-year-old. So I say that... For this, so maybe got a little bit lucky, but it was very smart. But they have all these guys who have contributed. But not only that, think about how many times a 16-year-old guy signs, and by the time he's 21 or 22 years old, the team loses control because he hasn't gotten to the big leagues yet. Somebody else gets him for his prime of his career. But the Astros have all these controllable pitchers, you know, Javier, all these guys, you know, still aren't free agents. And they're all closing in on 27 to 31 years old now. And they're pitching in their prime for for a playoff caliber team. Wow, brilliant strategy. Even if it was a bit risky, it obviously worked out. Wow. It does sound risky, but they weren't paying. I mean, they were only paying, you know, these guys had no leverage. So they were only paying them $25,000 to sign. I mean, that's a lot of money to these guys. But compared to you look at first rounders or third rounders, and these guys are getting somewhere between one and three or four million dollars a lot of times in those early rounds of the draft. Steve, before I let you go, obviously still a long way to go against a Rangers team that has an incredibly powerful and potent lineup. From a pitcher's perspective, how do you approach a lineup like that, even as the Astros try to climb back in the series? You know what I think you have to do, Amy, especially when you're playing in series like this? You know, a lot of times you you, you watch the first game and you kind of figure out, all right, this is how they're going to try to get guys out. But when you're facing guys like Seager and Simeon and Adolis Garcia and Josh Young and 
all these guys, I don't feel like there's one way you can stay with, with an approach when you're playing a long series like this. If this goes to seven games, say, you know, if you stay with, you know, fastballs in and breaking step away the whole time, guys are going to start cheating for those pitches and start looking for them. If you miss by just a little bit, they're going to get hammered. So I say that to say this. I think you have to mix it up on good hitters. I say that a lot, a lot when people say, how do you get Jordan Alvarez out? <laughs> There's no one way. You have to mix it up. And he has to almost be looking for something else for you to be able to get him out sometimes when he gets locked in. But I think in series like this, especially as they progress, you better have a couple of tricks in your back pocket to, to unleash because I don't think there's certainly one way to get certain guys out. I'll say this, and I think this is tried, tried and true throughout the playoffs that, that I've been watching here for a little while now. you got to pitch inside. I mean, you, you just can't live outside away, 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 over and over and over again because you can't get away with any mistakes. Hmm. you got to make guys conscious, conscious inside uh, once or twice at, at least during a game and showing that you can throw strikes in there too so they can't dive out over the plate all game long. Ooh, great stuff. I like that. Steve Sparks, a former big leaguer himself and part of the radio team for the Houston Astros along with Robert Ford. Uh, one of my favorite listens. You guys always have such a good time. You make it fun for the audience as well. And now looking at a 2-1 deficit for the Astros and the ALCS. But yeah, they've been here before. Uh, it's always good to catch up with you. Thank you so much for a couple of minutes. You too, Amy. Thanks for having me. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.